0: Today's reading is Philippians 3, 1-14. It can be found on page 1086 of the Bibles next to your seats as well as on the screen. This is God's Word. Further, my brothers and sisters, rejoice in the Lord. It is not trouble for me to write the same thing to you again, and it is a safeguard for you. Watch out for those dogs, those evildoers, those mutilators of the flesh. For it is we who are the circumcision, we who serve God by his spirit, who boast in Christ Jesus and who put no confidence in the flesh, though I myself have reasons for such confidence. If others think they have reasons to put confidence in the flesh, I have more, circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, in regard to the law, a Pharisee, as for zeal, persecuting the church, as for righteousness based on the law, faultless. to know the power of his resurrection and participation in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, and so, somehow, attaining the resurrection from the dead. Not that I have already obtained all this, or have already arrived at my goal, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead. I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. The word of the Lord.
1: Hi. Please uh, pray with me. God, thank you for this time to come together. Uh, Thank you for the people that are here. For whatever reason, we showed up today, um, whether we felt like um, it was habit or it's something that... we're supposed to do and we showed up for that reason, or whether we're honestly, sincerely excited to come here and we expect to meet you. For whatever reason we're here, we pray that you would um, speak to us and work in our lives in the area that we need it most, and that you would use these words um, to bless us and to honor you. Amen. Amen. Well, let me start by saying I'm so excited to be able to preach On this passage today, this is actually a passage that when I was on staff here, I would threaten Mark with saying, "I am going to preach on this," and he would kind of give me a blank stare, not know if if I was serious or not. And so now, with him on sabbatical, (laughs) uh, we are going to roll with this. And this is the sermon I've wanted to preach on since I discovered the in seminary the original Greek version of this passage. It's wonderful. That being said, we are coming off of three weeks of Chuck uh, Dillander, Eric Dirksen, and um, David Linder. These guys are polished, they are sophisticated, they are scholarly, and I have nothing but respect for them, but um, I do not put myself in that same realm. And it will help if during this sermon you are able, at least a little bit, to put on, to have the mindset of a 12-year-old boy. For at least part of it. And uh, you'll understand why. Yeah, well, Thursday was my last last day of teaching fifth grade for the year, so it'll be less of a stretch for me than usual. Um, So now that you're good and apprehensive about what's coming, uh, let's take a look at this passage. This passage that James just read for us comes from the book of Philippians. And Philippians is actually a letter uh, from Paul that he wrote while he was under house arrest. And he was writing to this church in Philippi. And this was a church that he himself had planted on a missionary journey. On a missionary journey. And now he's writing a letter to them. And Paul is uh, the most significant author in all the New Testament. And some of his letters to churches and people are happy, some are angry, some are get your act together. This particular letter to the church in Philippi is probably Paul's happiest, warmest, most hey, attaboy letter that he's written in, the, in, the, in all the Bible. And so Philippians, this, this letter um, that he wrote to them, it, it addresses several different things. Apparently, since Paul left after planning the church, there have been other people or other messages, other teachings that have come in and are not exactly in line with what paul had uh, taught when he was there you see after the church uh, after jesus died and then ascended his followers were left to come together and figure out who are we going to be like what are we going to look like now that jesus is gone how are we going to continue on without jesus being right here all the time to tell us who we are and what we're going to be they had to put these things together and a lot of jesus followers and the first Christians, the first follower of Jesus, had previously been Jews. And as Jews, they followed all these Jewish laws and all these Jewish traditions, such as uh, dietary codes, cleanliness rules, and everyone's favorite initiation, the circumcision. So in Philippi, this town that he's writing to, many of the, the people of this town were not Jews before they became Christians. They were Gentiles. So they didn't follow these rules and these regulations that the Jewish people who followed Jesus did. But there were people coming in saying, if you're going to be a follower of Jesus, you also have to do these things too. The particular, um, these are the particular issues that Paul was trying to deal with in his letter. So if we look at um, verse 4, chapter 3, verse 4. Paul takes a, mentions these uh, different issues, and he kind of calls them out on it. He says, oh, "Let me find it. If others think they have reasons to put confidence in the flesh, I have more. Circumcised on the eighth day, of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, in regard to the law, a Pharisee. As for zeal, persecuting the church. As for righteousness based on the law." Faultless. So he's saying, Paul himself was a Jew before he started following Jesus. And he's saying, all these things that people are telling you you need to do be in order to follow Jesus, I'm the best one at that. I was the best follower of the law. I have all these credentials. If anyone can tell you that these are important, it's me. But that's not what he says. It's kind of Paul's way of saying, I'm way more better than you are at being good. I can do these things better than anybody that's telling you how to do them. But then here's the part of the passage that intrigues me and the part that I get really excited about. He goes on and says, But whatever were gains to me, I now consider them loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them garbage, that I may gain Christ and be found in him not having a righteousness from, of my own that comes from a law, not the righteousness from following all these rules, from being good enough, from following these codes, but a righteousness that comes from God on the basis of faith. The part that is exciting and you need your 12-year-old hat on to appreciate is where he says, I consider them garbage. A lot of translations say rubbish, some better translations say dung, Eugene Peterson says dog dung, oh no, I do not think that that is an accurate translation. So with your 12-year-old hat on, the word in the original language is the title for this sermon, it is scubala. You may say scubala. Okay, now you're all as naughty as me, so we can move on. Scubala. That says so much more to me about who this God is that we claim to know and worship. So just so we're clear, Skubala, I brought um, the Jesus Storybook Bible. This is what, I think we got this here when our kids were baptized, and I think a lot of the kids get this um, when they're baptized here at uh, City Life. And... So, this is a story, this is one we read to our kids, and um, it's a really good one. It's actually got one of the most beautiful stories of the creation story in it that I really love. But here we go. It was Passover, the time when God's people remembered how God had rescued them from being slaves in Egypt. Every year they killed the lamb and ate it. The lamb died instead of us, they would say. But this Passover, so this is still a Jewish holiday, so it's still part of that. This Passover, God was getting ready for an even greater rescue. Jesus and his friends were having the Passover meal together in an upstairs room. But Jesus' friends were arguing. What about? They were arguing about stinky feet. Stinky feet? Yes, that's right. Stinky feet. Now the thing about feet back, in, uh, back then was that people didn't wear shoes. They only wore sandals which might not sound unusual except that the streets in those days were dirty. And I don't mean just dirty, I mean really stinky dirty. With all those cows and horses everywhere, you can imagine the stuff, the scubala, on the street that ended up on their feet. So anyway, someone had to wash the dirt, the scubala, But it was a dreadful job. Who on earth would ever dream of volunteering to do it? Only the lowliest servant. If you're still not clear, think about... (laughs) Do you remember in Forrest Gump? When all of a sudden one day he said, I just decided to run. And he was running back and forth from coast to coast and he inspired all these people and they started following him. And then people would come up and ask him questions to get insight. And the guy, one guy ran up to me he and said, hey, I'm in the bumper sticker business. And I thought since you inspired all these people, maybe you could help me come up with a slogan. And then all of a whoa, man, you just stepped in a huge pile of dog scubala. <laughs> and Forrest says, it happens. He's like, what? Scubala? And for some time, and the guy stands there. and then you see the scene of this pickup truck driving away with its bumper sticker that says, scubala happens. <laughs> scubala. That is the word I believe is the best definition for this word. In case you're still not clear, if you were here (laughs) last week, David Lindner showed a video from Hunger Games. And he explained it beforehand saying, okay, now this whole movie has like two naughty words in it. One of them shows up in here. That is the word. (laughs) That is the word, I believe. Why does this matter? Why does this change things? Why... Do I, not just because I'm still a 12-year-old boy, why do I get excited about this? Well, if you had to, if someone asked you, what do you think Jesus' main message was when he came to earth, what would you say? Any guesses? Love. Love. Actually, in the Gospel of Mark, love is mentioned five times. Only three of those times is it actually talking about loving God and loving your neighbor? Um. But what's mentioned, any other guesses? Forgiveness. Forgiveness, part of it. The gospel, I thought someone would say gospel. Anytime gospel or good news is easier, God also refers to the good news of the kingdom of God. God. Jesus' biggest reason and the biggest thing he promoted and talked about was this kingdom. Initiating this kingdom of God, telling people the kingdom of God is here. Here is, I'm going to read from Mark Chapter one, starting at verse fourteen. This is the first the first words that Jesus says in uh, the Gospel of Mark. After John the Baptist was put in prison, Jesus went into Galilee, proclaiming the good news of God. The time has come, he said. The kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe the good news. So this kingdom. When we think of kingdoms, we think of territory and this area of rule. That's not the type of kingdom, obviously, that we're talking about. We're talking about this, a spiritual kingdom. Essentially, it's about the providence of God as he establishes his will in all of creation. on every relationship, in every action that we do, God's will being established. And we say the Lord's Prayer here in a little bit, we're going to say, Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Your kingdom, your will be established in all of our relationships, and all of our motives, on all of the things that we do, may your kingdom take over, your will and your providence take over. So we've got this kingdom that's made up of some of the things that you mentioned, love, forgiveness, kindness, gentleness. And Jesus gives lots of examples through parables where he starts out saying, the kingdom of God can be thought of as, and he'll tell a big story about what it's like. And these are stories about Low lowlifes getting brought into this kingdom also. People that wouldn't be welcomed into other kingdoms are a big part of this, this kingdom of God. So essentially what I see is we've got the kingdom over here, that, that the kingdom of God that's being promoted, and everything else, scuba. <laughs> and that's kind of what Paul's talking about to the Philippians, is these people coming in and saying, here's what you need to do, boom, 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 then you can be a Christian, then you can acquire this kingdom that God has set aside for you can be welcomed in. And Paul says, all these boom, 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 skubala. It's offered to you as a gift of God. This righteousness has nothing to do with anything you're trying to do. Any way that you try to uh, acquire this peace, this love, this gentleness, this beautiful relationships, anything you're doing to get that, skubala. This kingdom is a free gift. I'm so glad you are here with your 12-year-old mind. All right, so when Paul talks about all these things he considers scubala, he's very specifically talking about those attempts that we're making. The examples he used refers to exactly things, actually, that God had originally asked them to do. God, God actually set up circumcision, circumcision as uh, a practice for his people. The Being a Pharisee was this highly respected position in uh in israel for people that someone to be a pharisee a teacher of the law that was something that god set up these priests these teachers and paul takes these things that god said you should do this and says that's skubala here's the kingdom that god is giving to us and so for me when i discovered this it was two amazing things one um our attempts are scubala. It takes the weight off of us. Yeah, we want to be kindness, We want this peace, but it's already offered to us. It's this kingdom that God has set up for your life without it. The other thing is this was the big one for me God can handle us calling things scubala in our lives. We are of the freedom, not necessarily freedom to be crude and for swearing, whatever. That's, I think it's funny, but um, I also think it gives us freedom to be human. To be human and to be broken. Uh, I heard a story about a family, it was a Christian family, and through some terrible, ugly travesty, they lost one of their children. And their, they, their feeling was that because we're Christians, we need to somehow turn this around not let people know that we're broken. Not let people know that we're experiencing pain. Praise God, even in this hard time. We're still okay because we've got... No, I, I don't think that's what God or anywhere in the Bible, I find it saying that. And I think that's inhuman. I don't think that's what we're asked to be. I think we're asked to be like, this is scubala, what we're going through. And God's okay with that. As I studied the, found this word, I also was going through the Psalms. The majority of the Psalms are people who are so angry and so frustrated with God and they're yelling at God, they're crying out to Him and God's okay with it. When I read this and I hear Paul calling out things as scubala, I want to be like, yes, I get mad at God. I get mad at God when people I love are struggling with cancer, are struggling with depression, are struggling with this arrogance and making other people feel like they need to be someone so they can fit into this community to worship God, to experience this community Community in this kingdom. I think that's Skubala. And that makes me angry. And reading this, I feel like we've got a God that's okay with us being angry about things we need to be angry about. And to calling them inappropriate, very offensive terms. This was a very offensive term. This is the only place in the Bible this word is used. And God's okay with it. He can handle it. We have a God who knows. Skubala exists in our lives. He's not trying to lie to us and say, you're okay because I'm on your side. Everything's going to be perfect. That's not the God that I know. I look through the Bible and I see a God that says, yeah, there's a lot of that. You are having, that is not how I intended things to be. That is painful. That is awful. This is not how I created this world. That is Skubala. That is not my kingdom. We have a God who is honest with us and allows us to be honest with him. And for me, that is so freeing. One of my favorite parts of this service and coming together is when we do confession. Because every week, I am, I am reminded that I can be who I am. I can be someone who is covered in scubala inside and out, and I can still come here, and you guys aren't any better than I am. You are too. And we have a God that reaches out and said. Here's my kingdom. Here's my kingdom of peace. Here's my kingdom of love, of forgiveness, of acceptance. I don't care what you're covered in. I know it exists, and I still want you to be a part of this, and I want you to extend this invitation to others. I have a God who knows what skubala is. How does our God know what skubala is? So, same story, the pictures of the little steamy piles on the road, a man holding a nose. Next page, we ended. Only the, who, who on earth would ever dream of volunteering to do it? Only the lowliest servant. I'm not a servant, Peter said, nor am I, said Matthew. Quietly, Jesus got up from the table, took off his robe, picked up a basin of water, knelt down, and started to wash his friend's feet. You can't, Peter said. He didn't understand about Jesus being the servant king. If you don't let me wash away the dirt... The scubala, Peter, Jesus said, you can't be close to me. Jesus knew that what people needed most was to be clean on the inside. All the dirt and scubala on their feet was nothing compared to the sin and scubala in their hearts. Then wash me, Lord, Peter said, tears filling his eyes, all of me. One by one, Jesus washed everyone's feet. I'm doing this because I love you, Jesus explained. Do this. For each other. I have a God who covered himself physically in scubala and spiritually in scubala on the cross in order to extend his kingdom to me. My kids have this game where they are at an age where they'll take something in their hands and they'll say, Which one do you want? This hand or this hand? And then they open it and show what's in it. I don't know if your kids have done that. So in the van the other day, Grace was sitting and she said, Cope. Which hand do you want? This hand, and so these are imaginary things. It wasn't literal. They just kind of play. Oh, this is a good one. This is bad. Cope, what do you want? Which hand do you want? This hand has poop and pee and dirt. <laughs> and my kid's not stupid. He didn't even wait for her to finish. She goes, "Well, I want the other one." <laughs> she said, "Oh, well, that's friends and family and good." Oh, wow. And so now every once in a while we'll say, "Which hand do you want?" Well, which hand do you want? Do you want the hand? I constantly choose a hand full of scubala instead of hands that are offering me this beautiful kingdom of peace and acceptance and love. And I know you do too. And it's a part of this brokenness that we experience. And God does not say, shame on all of you, you should not do that. He knows. He knows that scubala exists. He knows that it fills our hearts. It fills our lives. And he's there to be there with us. Not to make us deny it. to Not to make us be like, well, I shouldn't be like this because I'm better and I... Well, you're not. And that's okay. That's what this kingdom is for. It's for people covered in it. And I'm so thankful that this kingdom is extended to me, a person covered inside and out by the scubala in our lives, and it's okay. Please pray with me. God, thank you so much for letting us uh, be honest with you, for being honest with us about the pain and the brokenness and the skubala in our lives. Thank you for loving us regardless uh, of what we are covered in. And thank you for taking it on yourself to clean us on the outside, to clean us on the inside, to offer this righteousness, to offer this kingdom of peace and joy and forgiveness and acceptance um, and to not make it our responsibility because we would never be able to do it. Um, Amen.